Man, it's so good to see you guys. This is your first time or first time alone, so I'm going to welcome you uh, to Better Life Church. Also, we want to welcome our Grayson campus as well. If you're visiting with us, I want you to know we are one church in two locations. We believe that God has called us to this region. And as God continues to uh, grant us favor in this region and we continue to expand the influence of, uh, of Him and this communities around us, we continue to launch campuses as He sends us. So we're so excited for the Grayson campus. We love you guys. And let me tell you something. Last, this, I got to tell you this. Last Sunday at our Grayson Low campus, which we launched here at the beginning of this year, uh, we launched the church there in Grayson. And at last Sunday, you ready for this? They had 360 people at our Grayson campus. Is that not amazing? That is insane. Keep it up, Grace, and you keep inviting people and bringing people. Well, you know what? I went to a series called The Blessed Life. How many people want God to bless you? Get your hand up. You want God to bless you. Come on. Some of you got both hands. Some of you got your foot up too. Yeah, like I want double anointing of God's blessing in our life. So we talked a little bit about that and what that looks like last week. And this is a series that's going to take us through November. I want to encourage you to continue uh, to come and be part of this. I'm telling you what, the principles that I'm sharing with you over the next, uh, over last week and over the next few weeks uh, are the principles in the scripture that has grown my faith more than any other principle in all the Bible. And if you want your faith to grow, the Bible is very clear. Like if you say, I want to grow my faith. If you want you to grow your faith, you've got to grow your obedience. And the more you Now, the moment you say blessed in churches, your mind goes to a couple places. One, it may go to like, well, pastor, you're just a prosperity gospel preacher. Prosperity gospel means this. But as a Christian, I have the divine right by faith to speak health and wealth into my life. And if I'm not healthy and if I'm not wealthy, then it's my faith is the problem, not God. Folks, that's heresy. That is not what the scripture teaches. I do believe God wants to bless his children. I do believe there's principles in the Bible that God will bless you, but he gets to determine what the blessing is, not me, not you. And then in our area, now you don't so much have the, then there's the mindset of the prosperity gospel. And I even mentioned that. Some of you may have heard of a guy named Benny Hinn, uh, who, who's on TV and stuff. He came out a couple months ago and, and actually renounced this theology. He said, I've been teaching this my whole life, but my eyes have been opened that this is not true and that I'm changing my position on this, on this uh, pr uh, prosperity gospel preaching. And then we have the poverty gospel, which means if you're a Christian, you, 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 you can't have things, that you can't have a nice car, you can't have a nice house, that you can't live in a nice neighborhood, that you want your kids to go to a certain school and you can't move. And so you got to live like impoverished. You, you can't have anything, you got to get rid of everything. And if you have something, uh, if, you ha if you're wealthy or if you have nice things, it's because you're evil and you've done something wicked and you've done something mean, you've done something to get it. When really, when you think that, you're just jealous of them. And, and so you have the poverty gospel that you shouldn't have nice things. And let me just go to make sure I understand this. Having nice things, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with stuff. The problem is, is when the stuff has you. There's a big difference there. Because God does want to bless his children. And so this one of the things I'm talking about is a heart issue. And it's between you and the Lord. This is not between me and you. This is not between you and the church. This is between you and the Lord. And so I'm going to share with you principles that I'm telling you what, that if you'll get this principle that I'm going to share with you today, I promise you, it will radically change your life and it would radically change your family tree. Last week, here's what we learned. This is the perspective that has to start with. And the perspective is this. God owns everything. There is no self-made no one. Every time I say, I'm a self-made this, okay? I'm a self-made, you know, sometimes self-made millionaire, self-made business person, self-made this. And listen. And I know you worked hard, and I know you went to school for a long time to make what you make, to have what you have. But who gave you the smarts that you have? Who gave you breath and woke you up this morning? You say, it's my house. Your name might be on the deed, but I promise you, who made the wood to make it? 
Everything that you have, it belongs to him. He's the owner. And watch this. We're just the manager. And when you get that perspective, everything I have belongs to him. And I'm just the steward. I'm just the manager. I'm just managing his resources. That will begin to radically change your life. And so most people, and I'm not here to be mean or rude to anybody, but I'm going to be very, very frank and honest with you. Most people are terrible, 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 terrible managers of what God has given them. Terrible, terrible managers. And one thing, and I'm just going to do a commercial break right here in and Grace, and you need to be part of this. I love for you guys to drive and be part of this. It's today at 4 o'clock from 4 to 6. We, it's a free seminar for you. And it's how to deal with the wills and trust to manage your stuff that you have once you pass away. Or if you come to the point where you're not mentally able to take care of the things around you, how do you have that structure? 65 to 70% of Americans, they have no will or no trust. And listen to me, you're going, I don't have no assets. I really don't have any things. Do you have children? Do you want the state to decide who raised your kids? See, this is a conversation you got to have. Do you want all your stuff to go through probate and a trustee of a manager? You give thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars away to someone that you don't know that you could have gave to your heirs? Listen to me. This is, I, I've, I've seen it destroy families. I've seen families, close families, destroy over one little piece of ground. Because mom or dad didn't have things situated how it should be before they passed away. Or people argue, who's going to raise whose kids? What size the family? Because mom and dad didn't have this. I know a lot of times we don't talk about it. But listen to this. I've done the statistics on this. And one out of one people die. It's coming. And you better be prepared. And it's completely free to you. So if you have anything or any assets you're thinking about, and listen, especially if you have children, and listen, if you're a grandparent, and you just say, well, my grandkids and, 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 and my, my children don't have this. Listen, you need to get, it's completely free. We have child care available. I know it's a, that's a plug for that, but listen to me. You need to be here and be part of this. I'm telling you, these things can change your life. It's a way to manage what God has given you even after you pass on. How do you want to work that, through that? But even though that God owns it all, there's still something very special to God about the first of what he gives us. The first fruit, the Bible says. All through the scripture, God wants the first. I want the first lamb. I want it with no blemish. I want the first goat. I want the first grain. I want the first produce. I want the first. Why does God do that? Somebody's saying, are you talking about tithing? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And I know what somebody's thinking. Shoot, I should have went deer hunting this morning, Right? Because I'm talking about this. But here's what I want you to know. The first fruit we saw last week when it comes to, God said, I gave you my first fruit. My first fruit was my son, my only son. I gave you my very best for you. And so the question is, why does God want the first fruit? Why does God want the tithe, the 10%? We talked about that. And I'm going to talk to you today. Why is it 10? Why is it a percent? Why does God even ask for these things? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to two passages. I may not get to the second one, so I want to encourage you to write this down and go home and read this. But Malachi chapter 3, I want you to go there with me. And I want you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 31. And I want you to just kind of hold there. If you have your phone or your iPad, I'm going to use the New American Standard Translation today. So you can grab your phone and go with me to Malachi chapter 3. Because I'm going to walk you through this principle that has radically altered and changed my life. This is something I didn't come up with. This is something the church didn't come up with. This is something I just started doing this summer so because I knew I was going to be preaching about this. This is two decades in the making from experience, from what God has taught me, that I want to share with you today. What I found out when it comes to the area of giving, 
Most people don't want to talk about giving. They don't want to talk about finances. You know why? Because most Americans are one paycheck away of losing everything. They're broke. They're one paycheck away of losing everything. When you talk about money and people get offensive in the church, it's because money has become your God. And money has become, and read you said, why do we have to talk about this? Well, you know that out of the 38 parables that Jesus talked about, 16 of them, 16 of them deals with money and possessions. You know, the Bible talks more about money and possessions than heaven and hell and all combined. It's a very important. We here want to talk about the holistic of the Bible. We don't shy away from hard topics or hard situations and things to talk about in our culture and all this jazz. And so we can't stop away from this because I see this right here has destroyed families almost more than anything. People will say the number one cause of divorce, if you write down and go, look, it's not irreversible differences. It's over money issues. I'm telling you what, some of you are getting ready to get married. You're getting out of college and you're getting ready to marry. And the moment you say, I do, you're about to say, I do to probably they have fifty dollars to $60,000 in debt. You have fifty dollars to $60,000 in debt. You've now got $100,000 in debt. You're 24 years old and you're about to get married and you don't even have a job yet. Marriage is tough enough. Now you bring Sally Mae in the, med, in the mix with you and next thing you know it even gets even tougher. And so I'm telling you, you've got to learn how to manage. The greatest education you could get, obviously apart from the Bible, is financial education, how this works. There's principles all through the scripture. If you just do it God's way, listen to me, I promise you it works. In fact, today I'm going to challenge you to test him. This is the only place in the Bible where God looks at us and says, test me. We know we're not to test the Lord our God. We know that. But there's one place and one area that God says, test me, and it's in the area of finances and stewardship. And so it goes hand in hand. Today, I'm going to continue. I'm going to talk about one part of it. But at the end of the series, in two weeks, I'm going to talk about the second part of it and how these two is what God looks at when he says, I will bless your life. You all said you wanted to be blessed. So let's look at what that means. I don't get to determine the blessing for you. Let God determine that blessing on his own. So let's walk through this together and let's look at this as being a heart issue because giving is not a broke issue. It's not a budget issue. It's not I pay too much in taxes issue. Giving is a heart issue. And we're going to look through that and we're going to check it out as we walk through this passage. So if you're ready to get started, say let's go. How many of you like to take tests? Come on, raise your hand up. Where's my Hermione Grangers out there? You know what I'm saying? You love to take tests. If you don't know who that is, don't worry about it. You love to take tests, right? Like, I love tests. We, I don't like you. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I hated taking a test in school. And I, I, I've never met, if usually if someone's excited about taking a test, it's usually a girl. I've never met a guy going, I can't wait today's test day. You know, I've never, ever met a guy who's so excited about test day, right? I have about deer season, about NASCAR, and about sports, but not about taking a test. Would well, you know that? when you get out of college you still take a test you take a test all the time once you get out of college because the moment you get out of college hopefully you get a job can i get a witness come on now right you get a job you get a job and every time you get paid you take a test every time you get paid and every time you get paid you get to take a test who are you going to think how god has provided for you and for most people, you're like, well, how do I know if I'm passing a test? Here's how you know. Very easy. Go get your bank statement. Go check out your checkbook. Where does the first check go to? Where do you put in your, watch this, your first fruits? And that will determine, listen to me, if you're passing a test. For most people, it goes to MasterCard and Visa. MasterCard and Visa does not have the power to bless you. I promise you that. Most people do that. All you got to do is look. My wife and I, we want to make sure, listen, before my paycheck hits on the first 
On the 31st, our tithes and offering, automatic, automatic. I think you automate what's important. We don't want to miss one bit of it. It automatically comes right out. We put it on our online giving. It's automatic, just like you pay your own bills. Automatically, even before I even get my paycheck, because I want to make sure that I'm putting God first and give Him the first fruits and make sure I pass my test. And folks, we've been doing this for two decades. And I want to share with you, and I wish I had, I could take a whole entire Sunday and time and all day long to tell you how God has miraculously showed up because of the principle of the first by putting him first in the area of finances in my life. This, friends, is a heart issue. You've got to ask yourself, where does it go? And you can determine this when it comes to your financial management. So Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to read this through. We're going to take time. We're going to walk through this. I'm going to break it down for you. And when I say break it down, I'm not going to dance, but I'm going to break it down for you. And then we're going to just look at this. And then you've got to make a decision. Will you test God and trust him or will you rob him? So let's walk through this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. This is really good. I'm glad you had some of you going, oh my gosh, I can't be talking about this. We've already took the offering up. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Just hang tight. Because I'm telling you what, this will change your life. Verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. How many of you are glad that God's not a God that changed? That even though after you gave your life to him and you still screwed up and you still messed up, that he didn't change his love and his grace towards you. That he's a covenant-keeping God. That's what he's saying. I made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because I'm a covenant-keeping God and I do not change, he goes on and says, Therefore, sons of Jacob, you're not consumed. Because they have rebelled against God. They've turned their back against God, especially in the area of bringing the first to him. And he says, you better be glad I am a covenant-keeping God or I will destroy you and your family. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside, you've turned away from my statutes. We'll talk about that just in a moment. And have not kept them. Now watch what he says. The whole book of Malachi is return to me. Return to me. Return to me and watch this. And I will return to you. Do you see that condition? Return to me. I'll re return to, do, to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Here's the idea. He's saying, listen, guys, you got to return to me. They're going, what have we done wrong? We've never left you. We still go to church. We still go to the temple. How do we then return? Why do we return? And look what he says. He asks a question. Will a man rob me? Well, I thought God owns it all. It all belongs to him. Will you rob me? Yet, don't miss this, you are robbing me. Oh my gosh, they didn't know this. They said, how are we robbing you? We go to church, we do the sacrifices, we go to the temple. We th I thought we we're keeping your commands. What do you mean that we are robbing you? And he says, you have robbed me. How? And don't miss this. In tithes and offerings. There's a difference, and I'll explain that just in a moment. In tithes and offerings. And then he says this kind of crazy thing. Look what he says. You are cursed with a curse. Like, what kind of voodoo is this? I mean, what is this? Now, if you're a Bible student and you're reading the Bible, you're like, what do you mean you're cursed? What do you mean you're cursed with the curse? For you are robbing me, watch this, the whole nation. So here's how you return, verse 10. Don't miss this. Bring the whole, everybody say whole. Whole. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then watch this. Test me. Everybody say test. The only place you'll find it where God says, test me. Like, put me to the test. Test me. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And if, don't miss this, if you will, I will. It's a condition, which means it's a choice for you to be blessed. This is a condition. If, I will. If you don't, 
you're under a curse. Don't miss this. Here he says, if you do this, watch this, I will not, uh, will I not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing. Everybody say blessing. Not say the blessing, the word blessing. You know what I'm talking about, right? You just said you want to get blessed. So either God's a liar or this is not true and this is not his word. He said, if you, I will, watch this, open up the, uh, open up the windows and I will pour out a blessing that overflows. Now he gets to term in the blessing. I don't, you don't, we don't get to claim it, name it, claim it and grab it and blab it and say, that's it, it's mine. No, no, no. He will determine what the blessing is. Then I'm going to give you a little bit of extra on the blessing. Look what he says in verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer. I will hold the devourer back so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground nor the vine in the field and cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Folks, this is a principle that God has set up. Watch this. Way before the law ever come in, I'll talk about this in a moment. I did a little bit about that last week. But this principle is the only principle where God says, test me. And this principle has grown my faith in God more than any principles in all the Bible. And this will radically change your life. He says, you've turned from my ordinance, my statutes. It's just ordinance. What ordinance? Ordinance is an ordinary behavior. It's an ordinary behavior for God's people to thank God for how he's blessed them and what he gave them. It's an ordinary principle. And he said, you have turned away from my statute, from my ordinary principle. So here's, the, here's what he's saying. He says, if you tithe, it equals blessings. If you don't tithe, you're under a curse. Folks, this is not a hard decision. This is not a hard decision whatsoever. If you tithe, it equals a blessing. If you don't, you are under this, the Bible says, it calls it a curse. And don't miss this. You are voluntarily placing yourself under these consequences. I'll talk about this in a moment because like, what in the world am I cursed and all this curse and I got to break the spell and that's not what he's talking about. I'll show you that just in a moment. Here's what we see. God wants to redeem every area of your life, especially your mindset and your perspective when it comes to possessions and finances. When you look through Malachi, the theme in chapter one is return to me by faith. Chapter two says return families to me. Come back to me, families. Number three, come back to me in the area of your finances. And then chapter four, God returns back to the people because they obeyed him. Folks, listen to me. Don't get all tight all about the tithing. Here it is. Write this down. Tithing is just a test. It's just a test. Tithing is a test. And every time, watch this, you get paid, you take a test. So I'm going to make this so simple. So let's walk through this really quick so we make sure on the same page. So let's say that uh, the leaves have been blowing. It's beautiful, right? Time of the fall of the year. And then we got winter coming here for the next two days. And next day we go back to fall again. It's just crazy, right? How the weather works. And all the leaves. And, and you're sitting there and you look at your, your neighbor. She's a little elderly lady over here. And she's outside and she's trying to sweep the leaves off her porch. She said, you know what? I'm going to go help a little, little granny out over here. And you go grab your broom and your rake. And you sweep it up. And you put them in a garbage bag for her. And you're sitting there. And she says, honey, just one moment. Just one moment. Thank you so much. And she pulls out right here in her apron, right? She pulls out. A little ten dollar bill and she says thank you so much for helping me and I know what you would say just like anybody else I don't need your money keep your money keep your money but listen to me I used to do that all the time to God spoke to me says don't you rob her of her blessing if somebody wants to bless you you let them bless you some of you right now you keep turning down God's blessing God people what God brings people to your life to bless you is like no I don't, I don't need it whether it's pride or arrogance or you just don't think and so all of a sudden it hit me I was doing a visitation with this little lady one time she's a fixed income and she was not too much longer before she passed she said pastor I love you she gave me like a five dollars or something I said honey keep it keep your money I don't need your money and the Lord said listen don't rob her of her blessing 
If I want to use this lady, this little widow lady, to bless you with $5 and let me bless you this way. Yes, Lord, okay, that's you. So she hands you the $10. You know what the Lord says? I used that lady in her heart and her mind to speak to bless you. You're to bring a dime and give it to me. That's 10%. And you're sitting there going, really? A dime? Come on, man. What's the, flip the coin, right? It's not a big dime. Not a big deal. So let's, let's say your, your buddy calls you up and says, hey, I got to build a porch or I got to move. Will you help me? And you go help him move. You load up and you've been there all day. He said, man, thanks for everything. He hands you a $100 bill. and said, man, thank you so much for helping me. The Lord says, $10 of that comes back to me. It's the first fruit that I've blessed you with this. You follow me here. And somebody's like, okay, okay, I get it. So let's, let's say now, now you work and you make $1,000 a week, right? It's $1,000. Your house, you're like, we make $1,000 a week. The Bible says 100 of that, 10% of that comes back to the Lord as the first fruit to set apart, to test your heart, to see if you're going to trust him and thank him for it. And I know what somebody's saying. I don't care to give the dime. I don't care to give $10, but $100, I can get a pair of new, new pair of shoes, y'all. I go get my hair did, my nails done, right, ladies? Come on. Like $100, man, I go along. Why well, can't give $100? And see, now you start going, ah, it's $100, $100. Let's watch this. Let's say now you make $10,000 a month. Your family income, household income is $10,000 a month. The Lord says $1,000 returned to me. And you're like, $1,000? I need a new washer and dryer. Black Friday sale's coming up. That's insane. There is no, $1,000. That's a lot of money. You had no problem when it was just $10. See, glory keeps increasing and increasing. Next thing you know, you're like, I just gonna, let's say you make $100,000 a year as a family, gross income. As a family, your family makes $100,000. The Lord says, return $10,000 of that to me. $10,000. I got three kids about to go to college. I got to figure out how in the world I'm going to put food on the table. $10,000. That's a lot of money. You never had no problem when it was $10,000. And I will go on to say this, if you're not giving to God out of your poverty, you will not give to God out of your abundance. This is a heart issue. And I know what you're saying, that's crazy. Like, like that, 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 I, I can't do that. In fact, here's the, here's the reality. You ready for this? Statistically, it's shown, it's proven over and over and over. The average uh, American gives 3% to charity of all charities, 3%. And here's the, here, here's the sad thing. The more money that you make, the less money you give percentage-wise. You may give more dollar amount, but less percentage. Less percentage. You're like, well, look how much we're giving now. We make a lot more money. Do the percent on it. God is into percentages, not amounts. Why is it a percent? Why wasn't it 50%? Why wasn't it, why wasn't it 100%? Why wasn't it 90% and you, getting, you, you, you live on the 10? Why is it a percent? And why is it 10 like, why is it percent? Here, here's what I believe. I can't take you to a verse and say, I believe, why it's a tenth? Why is it a percent of something? But here, 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 here's what I want you to understand. This, this, this little 12-year-old boy who went over to Granny's house and raked up her leaves and put them in a garbage bag, and she handed him a $10 bill. And he comes here to, to, to church or comes to youth, and he takes that 10 cents and says, God, thank you for your blessing, and I give that 10 cents. You know what the Scripture says that he does? He says he opens up the windows of heaven. He'll bless that son. And watch this. He'll hold back the devil from coming and destroying the rest of the stuff that he has. He's blessed. Let's go over to the family that makes $100,000 a year. And they give $10,000. And they tithe on. That's $10,000. Guess what happens? God says, I will open up the floodgates. I will bless you. I will hold back the devil from destroying the rest of it. You know why it's a percentage? Because it's equal blessing. 
It's equal blessing from both people where you have nothing and a little bit and you trust God or whether God's blessed you with so much more over here you can't even handle it. The blessing is the same. That 12-year-old boy gets blessed just like this businessman gets blessed. It's equal blessing. So it's fair. And I know what happens. Well, that's not really fair because i got to pay more taxes than he has. So should I tithe on my net? Should I tithe on my gross? Do you want God to bless you on your net? you want God to bless you on your gross? The way I read the scripture, it's all that God's given me. And so we bring all that God gives him, the gross of what God blesses me. Now, if you're a small business owner and you operate a business and you pay yourself a salary, then your business holds out funds. I've had business owners come to me. We've sat down and said, hey, I want to make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do. How do I do my business? I started my own business. I got my LLC. I got three LLCs. I got rental properties. How, how, how do I manage that? How does that come? Because sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it goes down. Sometimes in the hole. How does that work? If that's you, I don't have time to get into it. But if that's you and you want me to help you walk through that, I can share how we do it in our, our family. But I can share with you how I, I see it and helping other business owners do that. That's up to you if you want to. I don't care to help you. But why is it the number 10? Don't get caught up in 10. When you read through the Bible, 10 just means testing. It just means testing. Watch this. Every time you get paid, you take a test. And God says, I want to test your heart. Ten just represents testing. Now, listen, I'm going to walk you through this real quick. It's not a trick answer. I mean, it's, 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 I'm, not trying to, I'm trying to help you. The, the answer is ten, okay? The answer is ten. Watch this. How many plagues did God send upon Egypt to test Pharaoh's heart? Anybody watch the mummy? Come on. It's ten, right? It's ten, right? How many commandments did Moses bring off Mount Sinai to test the Israelites' heart? How many commandments were they? Ten commandments. In the wilderness, the Bible says that he tested them for how long? For to say ten. The answer is ten. I, I promise you. It, it, it's, it's ten. It's in Numbers chapter 14. Jacob, when he was trying to get his bride and, and work for his bride, he, they, they changed his wages how many times to test him? Ten. You guys are so smart. It's ten. I'm telling you what. This, this is Daniel and the boys, right? Remember the boys of Daniel? We don't want to eat. Or I don't want to eat the king's food. Let me eat my own food and let you test me and see in ten days from now if I'm healthier than everybody else. Ten in the Bible just means testing. There were ten virgins in Matthew 25 with their lamp oils to test and see. We see in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 10. It was a ten days of testing in there. And so ten just means testing. What is God testing? My heart. Because the number one thing that's going to compete with your heart is how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to spend it, how I'm going to save it, how I'm going to put food on the table, how I'm going to have a little bit to have in retirement and retire with dignity, how I'm going to put my th kids through college, how I'm going to help them get the shoes they need for basketball. How, how, listen, your life will be consumed by this and God knows it. And he says, you have to trust me. Test me and see if I don't bless you and take care of you. It's the only place in the Bible where God says test. And if you don't, he says you're cursed with the cursed. And that only, all that means is this. You're under the consequences of not being obedient to what God has for you. You're not robbing God. You're robbing yourself from what God wants to do in your life. It's just the consequences. When you're like, well, I thought the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Jesus bore the curse on the cross. He took my sin. I'm not under the curse. You're right. He has completely forgiven me of all your sin. But do you still sin? Are there still consequences to your sin when you sin? The answer is yes. And what happens is this. When you don't tithe, there is consequences. And you're robbing yourself of the blessing that I want to give you. And you, I, don't, I don't get to determine what the blessing. It may not be monetarily. There's blessings in your life that I want to give you. And watch this. But because you put yourself voluntarily, you placed yourself voluntarily 
under the consequences. And you're wondering, why in the world is this happening in my life? And every time I talk about this, there's some of you here, let's, let's just face it. You're pretty well off. You're like, Pastor, I don't tie. I mean, I drop a little bit in it as it goes. I got a great job, great salary. I'm out of debt. Great marriage. My kids are good. I mean, I would say I'm blessed, and I haven't, I haven't really done anything. I haven't given anything, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I looked at my taxes, I may, may possibly, I mean, I might, uh, I don't know, I might give 2 or 3% of my income, but, and I just want to tell you, I just want to encourage you, just because you have what you think you have and you think it belongs to you, and that's a great, there's a principle in the scripture that God says, if you, I will. And I'm telling you what, this principle has grown my faith more than anything else in my life. And I want God to grow you in your faith. And sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone for that to happen. And every time we talk about this, people say, well, is this even biblical? Folks, tithing is biblical. We see it all the way through the scripture. Remember we talked about last week, Cain and Abel. Abel brought the first fruit. This was 2,500 years before the law was ever written. It's an ordinary statue. It's an ordinary principle for God's people to bring the first fruit, the tithe, to him. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and now he was a priest of the God Most High. He blessed him and said, talking about Abram, Abraham, he said, Blessed be Abram, the God of the Most High, the possessor of the heavens and earth, and bless the God of Most High who has delivered your enemies in your hand. Then watch this. Why? Because he gave a tenth of all. Don't miss this. Of all. This was 500 years before the law was ever written by Moses. This was an ordinary principle that people were thanking God and bringing the tithe way before the law ever happened. Jacob in Genesis 28, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me on this journey, I will take and I will give food, uh, give me food to eat and garments to wear and I will return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God and the stone which I've set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me, I surely will give you a tenth of all, a tithe of all. This was 400 years before Moses wrote the law. Tithing is a principle all the way through the scriptures. This one's a big one right here. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Thus all the tithe, everybody say all. All means whole, all the tithe. Tithe of the stuff that God gives me. The first fruits of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree, watch this, is the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord's. It's holy and set apart to him, which means this. Listen to me, listen to me. When I, when I get paid 10% of my gross income, I set aside, Lord, that's yours. Now watch this. Because it don't belong to me, I don't have the right to designate it. And so many people take their funds and take their tithe. They say it's a tithe. It's really not even 10% because only 6% of Christians out of 2 billion on the planet tithe. According to CPAs and accountants. 10%, And it belongs to the Lord. And here's what happens. People say, well, you know what? I want to give a little bit to this charitable organization and they need it. I want to give a little bit to this Christian school organization. I want to give a little bit uh, to this missionary. My wife and I, we support two missionaries. And we go, that's great. And so I want to give a little bit over here. And so maybe it's about 6 or 7%. And I'll designate and I'll tell my money where to go. No, no, no. The tithe don't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And so for, I don't know, for the last 13 years, 10% of our, we felt like the Lord said I, 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 to give an offering to the Lord. And so we gave 10% of our gross income. We take a 10% of our, and say, God, here's the tithe. And we give you. Now we're going to give an offering. An offering is above the tithe. 
When you say tithes and offering, an offering is what's above your tithe. Like we always do a year-end offering at the end, and we've got some things we're going to give to and, and, and missions and, and stuff like that. And this, that's nothing new to us. We've been doing this all the time. Well, you know that. But that offering is an offering. It's not your tithes. You don't shift your tithes to be part of that offering. That's an offering. That's above and beyond. And if you're not to the point to give above and beyond, that is fine. No one even asks you. That's between you and the Lord. And so we take 5% of our gross income as an offering and say, God, we just want to say thank you. It's an offering that we give to the Lord. So 15% of our gross incomes comes out before my check even hits. Because my wife and I, we don't spend it unless we have it. For 20 years of marriage, we've never carried a balance on a credit card. If we don't charge it, we charge it. I do charge a credit card because I want the points. Can I get a witness? Let's go, right? 1.5% goes into a retirement account. That is awesome. But we don't spend it and we pay it off every month. And we bring back to God and we say, God, here's a 5% offering we want to give to you. And then all of a sudden we set up a budget. We have a fund that we want to bless me. We support two missionaries over here on the side. We give to this charitable organization. We bless this organization. And at the end of the day, about 20% of our income goes to missions, back to God, and charitable organizations. And I want you to hear me this because I'm just saying, oh my gosh, Pastor Dan, you must make all the money. We were doing this when we was making $25,000 a year. And my wife doesn't work outside the house. We have two kids living in a trailer, trying to say, God, we trust you and we believe that we cannot outgive you and you say, test me, we will test you. And when we launched this church, and I stepped down from pastoring a church in July, and we didn't launch this until the end of January, the Lord pressed on my heart, listen to me. As we start this church, I want you to trust me and I don't want you to receive anything from the church. I said, absolutely. And my wife and I, for the next seven months, be continue to get 15% of our income that we had in savings as if I still were working. Because we said that you can't outgive God. And God said, we're not going to stop giving you. So we kept taking 15% out of our savings and kept giving it to the Better Life Church, to give it to the church because this is where our heart is. And so when you look at me and say, well, I just can't believe it. Listen, listen. You can do this. And it works. This ain't a budget issue. This I don't make enough money issue. This do I trust God? And will I put him to the test? I'm telling you what, you can't outgive him testing we have financial coaches most of you it's like listen i'm not i'm i'm like i'm one paycheck behind there's no way listen listen testing testing and somebody say well i, I mean if jesus would tell you to tithe would you do it well i mean i guess if jesus said it well i'm so glad you said that you know, in Matthew 23, 23, so many people miss this verse, but listen to what he says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe. They did it with the wrong motive. See, you never give to get. If your motive is, okay, I'm going to start tithing to give, so God gives me, gives me, gives me, gives me. Your heart's wrong. It's a heart issue. You got to get before the Lord and say, Lord, this belongs to you. And it's the first fruit. And I trust you and thank you how you provided for me and my family. And listen to me, if you'll keep your hands open, God will put in. And then God will send out. Do you know why God blesses you? The only reason why he blesses you is so you will be a blessing to other people around you. And the moment you hold your hands tight unto what God has given you, watch this. He's not putting in anymore. And he's not sending it out. But if you'll just be a conduit and say, God, bless me to bless the people around me. I'm telling you, keep your hands open. And God will pour out his blessings. Look what it says. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. And you have, but you've neglected the weightier provision of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And listen to what Jesus says. These things you should have done without neglecting the other. You're right. You should be tithing. But don't neglect justice and mercy. 
and the rest of the law. Folks, listen, it's biblical. It's a test. You don't need to get upset all about this. God's testing your heart. And for you sitting there going, I just can't do this. I just don't know about this. I mean, it's like, oh, I just can't. I, I, wait, you just, you just want my, listen, I don't need your money. We're not asking you to do this because the ship is sinking. God is moving in our communities. And God is, I mean, over the last 12 years, around a million dollars, we have invested into the kingdom of God to missions and organizations and in our community. Why? Because we as a church do the same thing. We say, God, as you bless us, knowing the Bible is to say, well, a church has to tithe. But we take 10% of what comes in through tithes and offerings. And we say, you know, we're going to model what we asked our people to do. And we as a church have blessed people in our community and our organizations and missions over a million dollars over the last, this is that crazy, 12 years. So we practice in what we preach. Listen to me. Every person who ties has the same testimony. I'm blessed. There's not a tither on the planet who would say, I'm not blessed. They say, I'm blessed. Every non-tither has the same testimony. I can't do it. I can't afford it. To the government, I'm on a fixed income. I, I live paycheck to paycheck. I, I can't do it. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, please. <laughs> you will never, ever be able to tithe until you start tithing. You'll never be able to, until you start saying, I'm just going to trust you, God. And you know, for some of you know what that means. You have to get on, you ready for this? A, 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 a budget. It's not a cuss word, I promise. Don't be afraid of it. You need to get on one right now because Black Friday's come up. You're going to be like sassy, charging everything. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Get on a budget. My wife and I, we made a decision ten, t two decades ago, 20 years ago. We'll, get, we'll amputate the Tahoe. I don't have a Tahoe, but if I had one, we would get rid of the Tahoe, the truck, the car. We would downsize our house before we ever, ever would rob God. And some of you, guess what? You may have to do that. You may have to get on a budget. You have to quit spending things you spend because I'm not going to rob God of the first fruits and I'm going to get in position to make sure that I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do. And I'm telling you what, here's what happens. He says, I will open up the window. I will bless you. And then I will hold back the devil, the devourer from destroying the rest of the things that I've given you and want to bless you with. Folks, this is not a hard decision. The hard decision is going home, getting on a budget, saying, what are we going to cut back on? What are we going to stop? We are not going to rob God. We are going to put him first. I'm telling you, testing. Testing. Why don't you take a test and testing? Test him and see what he will do. Folks, listen. Tithing is not about giving to the church. Tithing is about giving your heart to God and say, God, I trust you. This is his church. He will take care of his church. He will provide. He will do all that. And I want you to hear me, please, with everything within me. This is not what I want from you. This is what I want for you. I want you to experience the blessed life. And it comes when you faithfully say, God, I'm just going to trust you and put you to the test. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I know there's families and people in here and things have happened. There's been medical bills and divorces and then left you in financial crisis and situations. And I am not making light of any of that. I, 
I've counseled. My heart goes out. I've seen it. I've seen family destroyed because people don't have a will or a trust in place and they didn't manage what God's given them now while they're alive. And it's destroyed families and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and kids. God has entrusted us with something and we should be a good steward of that and honor him with the first fruits. Listen to me. Testing. Go home and get before the Lord. Study the scripture. Say, God, what do I need to change? What do I need? What do you want me to do? Everything I have is yours. Everything I have belongs to you. And I'm telling you, listen to him. God honors that prayer of wanting to put him first in your life. And then go home and figure this out. What are we going to stop? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? And then testing. Pray with a pure heart and a motive and say, God, this is not about getting from you. You've blessed me. I'm going to return to you what you said is yours. And I'm going to bring the tithe to the storehouse, to the place that I attend. And if this is your home church, listen, this is where you bring that. This is where it goes. And see what God does, begins to do in your life. But I want you to know the greatest blessing and the greatest gift and the greatest first fruits, the Bible says, was his son Jesus. And my first and ultimate step that I would love for you to take is to give your life to Jesus. God sent his very best, his only son who lived a sinless life, died on a cross, got up in three days to forgive you of all your sins. Who would neglect such a great salvation? I want to encourage you to cry out to the Lord today and give your life to him. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sins and I put my faith in you. And if that's you, listen, we want to help you take your next step. If you'll go to the next step area, we have some resources we want to give you and help you. Let me share with you another free resource that we have here. It's completely confidential. It doesn't come to me. I don't know your financial situations unless you ever bring it to me. I love to help you discern and walk through anything you want me to help you walk through and finances. But do you know that we have financial coaches? And these are not just for people who are like not are doing really bad with their money. These might be people who are like, I'm doing good with my money. How can I save more? How can I be better at it? Maybe you're about to go into the Christmas season like, hey, listen, I need somebody to help me get on a budget because I'm like a big spender and I'm going to go crazy because I can get it now. Amazon Prime is not two days, it's one day and I'm going to go berserk right here. I just need somebody to go help me right here. Do you know that we have financial coaches confidentially who will help you get on a budget and win with your money? Take advantage of that. It's free. It's free to you. Father, thank you so much for your word. And thank you how relevant it is today. Even when we don't understand it, Lord, there's even times in my life the math just didn't even work out. We put it on paper and it just didn't work out, but we trust you anyway. And God, you've blessed us and you moved in our life and you've increased my faith. And I want the same thing for your people, Lord. That God, to increase their faith, that they increase their obedience and they just trust you. They trust you. They put you to the test and take you at your word. God, this is, this is not between me and, and them. This is not what I'm even asking. This is what you have said. And you've said, it's an ordinary statute, a principle that you have set up. If we, you will. It's a condition. And God, this is what I want for every believer on the planet to experience. A full life, an abundant life, a better life, the blessed life that comes by trusting you 
and putting you first in every area of our life. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.